It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Second hour, light the tower here on the horn. Craig away with you from the UT campus. And uh, we're just a few moments away from Texas Longhorns head football coach Steve Sarkeesian's weekly news conference beginning here in just a few months. They've wrapped up practice a few minutes ago uh, out in the rain in the stadium. They were grinding and working it out there on, on the field in the stadium, but they are done now. And, uh, they have uh, dispersed, so uh, Coach Sark is on his way up here uh, for uh, the press conference that will begin here momentarily. A couple of programming reminders to let you know what's coming up. Uh, and uh, it'll, uh, you know, this will pertain, obviously, to uh, Longhorn and uh, high school athletics throughout the course of the week uh, on the Austin Radio Network on our family of stations. Tonight, of course, Longhorn basketball, the season opener for Texas as they'll take on the UTEP Miners as Chris Beard begins his second season at the helm of the University of Texas program, taking on a UTEP team uh, which is coached by Joe Golding. And not to bring up difficult and painful memories of the past, but Joe Golding was the head coach of the Abilene Christian team that beat Texas in the first round of the NCAA tournament uh, in Indianapolis and uh, in uh, 2021. So uh, he was, he's, in other words, the point of all this is to talk about what he's done with programs. He's done a good job with them. And he is the coach at UTEP, and he will uh, bring the minors into uh, the brand new Moody Center tonight. We'll be on the air at 7 30 uh, for Moody Center in the tip off at 8 o'clock. Eddie Orn will join me for the call of that one. That is tonight, uh, Longhorn men's basketball. Uh, on the horn. Okay, uh, and it's also available on Coke FM, 98.5 and 99.3 FM. Uh, we'll have uh, Longhorn Weekly with Coach Sark coming up on uh, Thursday night. That'll be at 7 o'clock uh, on the horn. And then Friday, things get really busy. Uh, there are three high school football games and the season opener for Texas women's basketball on Friday night. The Texas women open their brand new season, the third season under Vic Schaefer, coming off the back-to-back trips to the Elite Eight. And Texas will be playing the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana at Moody Center. And uh, that's a 7 o'clock tip-off, and that is where you'll hear Texas women's basketball all season long, as you always do, 105.3 the bat. Also on Friday night, in talking about high school football playoff action, uh, LBJ is playing its bi-district playoff game on Friday night at Nelson Field against Elgin. Now, we've been bringing you LBJ football on 105 through the bat, but since we have the Texas women's basketball season opener on 105 through the bat, you'll be able to hear uh, the LBJ-Elgin game on Coke FM, and uh, that'll be Friday night, and that is a 7.30 kickoff and a 7.30 uh, for that contest, for that pregame, and again, that's OBJ in action uh, in the bi-district round of the playoffs against Elgin. Now, additionally, we'll uh, have uh, Lake Travis at 7, uh, 7 o'clock on Friday night against Round Rock and Vandegrift at home at 7 o'clock against B. 
Bowie. So those are the uh, uh, program notes, the high school football, the college basketball, all of that to uh, update you on there. Now it is time for the weekly news conference. Longhorns head coach Steve Sarkeesian into the room at the podium and just about ready to get this one underway, uh, reviewing the win over Kansas State and getting ready for Saturday night's game with TCU. Let's go to the podium and Coach Sark. All right. Um, first, I think just a little recap of the, of the ball game the other night. You know, there were some real highlight things when you go back and really analyze the game of things that were important to us going into the game. Um, you know, one was which, you know, these guys did a nice job of creating negative plays. They had led our conference in sacks. Um, so to come out of the ball game uh, with no sacks protecting the quarterback, uh, I think was huge. Two, they led our conference, as well as in sacks, they led our conference in interceptions. So to come out of the game not, not giving that to them, I think it was a really positive, was a positive deal. And then ultimately, you know, it was a really good, really good defense of minimizing points and so to double them up on the points that they that they normally give up uh, were all really good positives from an offensive perspective and then obviously our ability to run the football. I think defensively minimizing the run game. You know, these guys were leading our conference in in, in rushing offense and Deuce Vaughn was obviously a very electric runner. So to keep them well below almost hundred yards below their average I thought was a was a really good job by our defense and then obviously creating the two turnovers. You know, they'd only lost five on the year creating those two turnovers with other multiple opportunities I thought were great. Uh, and then lastly, I thought our coverage units were tremendous. These guys were a tremendous return team, punt and kickoff return. I thought our coverage units were really good uh, in that aspect of it. So uh, it was a really good win in a great environment. You know, I give Kansas State a lot of credit. Their students were, were fantastic from the moment we walked into the stadium. Uh, as we arrived, they were already there. They were chanting. It was this great environment. And I thought our players showed a lot of composure in that environment uh, to perform and then ultimately come out with a win. So that, that was, a, it was a great win for us. We're excited about it. Plenty to work on, as we know. Uh, but that's what practice is for. And then we, we flipped the page to, to TCU coming to town Saturday night. Uh, looking forward to a great environment. You know, uh, We've created something here, I think, in DKR that is getting better week in and week out. Uh, obviously, having college game day come, the excitement, night game. Uh, I'm anticipating our student section to be here when I walk in the stadium. They might not have, they might have to, you know, get uh, CDC to open the gates a little early, but that's okay. I, I love, I love walking into the stadium when I go for my pregame walk, and our students are already there chanting, taking pictures with them. Um, I think that that's what college football is about. That 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 pageantry that it is, and so um, it's an exciting opportunity for our team. Um, we're playing a very good opponent, uh, very electric on offense, a really good run game. Miller's a tremendous runner. Dugan's a great passer. They got Quentin Johnston on the outside. So really complete offensive football team. Um, very, very talented, very fast defensive football team that uh, we, we have to take into account for in an excellent return game, as we well know uh, from a return game standpoint. So Coach Dykes has done a, done a great job. Um, and it's a great opportunity for us. You know, we haven't we haven't beaten a top five team here in DKR since 1999. Uh, so it's a great opportunity for us to hopefully prepare well and play well uh, for our fans. And looking forward to an electric and, uh, and a great intimidating environment. Raise your hand if you have a question. Let's start up front with Dennis. Speaking of prepping for TCU, what 
How's the mood been for Gary Patterson, and how instrumental is he going to be this week? Man, I was going to see who was going to ask the first question about Coach P. Uh, it's been great for Coach P. You know, we're, we're lucky to have him on our team. I'll say that. You know, I know he served, you know, 22 great years there at TCU. Uh, I think that program's in the in the place that it's in because of the work that he did. Uh, and that should not go unnoticed. Uh, a lot of those kids on that roster he recruited, and it's a very talented roster. Uh, but we're lucky to have him on our team. Uh, and I know he's, uh, he's doing his normal deal, what he does throughout the week to help get us prepared. After watching the film, have you pinpointed what happened to the offense in the second half with only three points? And it seems like it's, it happened somewhat in Lubbock and, and Stillwater. What happened on Saturday night with just the yeah. three points? Too many self-inflicted wounds, really on both sides of the ball. But you can't, you can't have pre-snap penalties, you know, and then you can't have multiple pre-snap penalties in the same drive. You know, as we were taking, you know, two steps forward, we were taking one step backwards. And inevitably, you put yourself in third long scenarios against a good defense, the, the game gets hard. Um, you know, we had a couple other, you know, one that was a short yard third down scenario, wasn't the best call by me, they stopped us. Uh, we had another third down that we convert. We fumbled the ball. Uh, so a lot of it was really self-inflicted wounds. Uh, I, I assume some of that blame. I think our players can tell you they would assume some of it. You know, we, we understand we can't jump off sides. Um, so inevitably, it's more about what we did opposed to what they did, and those something that um, we'll continue to work on to get better at. Coach, uh, are you beyond at this point worrying about the mental space, whether it's after a loss and how you're going to bounce back, or in this case – after an emotional road win and then, you know, flipping the script, is this team kind of beyond that or is that always something on your mind? I'm never beyond that. I think the mental component of a competitor is always something that we need to kind of work on. Uh, to me, it's a lot like lifting weights. You know, if you want to get bigger, faster, stronger, you have to work at it. And if you want to be, you know, mentally tough enough to deal with the adversity and things that come along your way, you have to work at that too. So uh, we never take that for granted. We're always working at it in some way, shape, or form. And so this, this week's no different. Steve Quinn uh, mentioned last week that you sat down with him after the Oklahoma State game, talked about some of your travails, you know, as a college quarterback. How did you feel like he responded in – and can you talk about their quarterback as well, Mac Duggan? Yeah. Um, I thought Quinn responded well. You know, um, that, was a, that was a very good pass defensive football team we played. You know, they, they're very active, and they have been throughout the year, of getting their hands on balls. There was a veteran group, a very good pass rush. Uh, so to protect him, him not take any sacks, uh, took a couple big hits there in the red zone um, you know, where they came after him. But I thought he stood in there. I thought he really – kind of controlled the game for us, made a couple really critical throws on third down, even early on the, the third down conversion to JT Sanders. I think that's why our third down conversion rate was better this week. We were able to throw the ball uh, and make some plays there. Um, and then obviously a couple critical third down passes in the red area to Xavier Worthy that were really nice throws. So all in all, um, you know, we're always striving to get better. Um, but I thought the response by him in another hostile environment. We went from Stillwater um, in a great environment, not ideal weather conditions, to Kansas State, another great environment. Again, not ideal weather conditions. The wind was a factor, but I thought he handled it much better the second time around than the first time around. So love the growth. I think Max Dugan, um, really cool competitor. You know, this guy is playing at a high level. Um, He's, he's making the throws to, to make, and he's taking advantage of a lot of skill on the perimeter. 
but yet he's using his legs. You know, I mean, he, his legs are a factor, especially in the red area. They, they rely on him with Miller. It's kind of a two-headed monster in the run game, uh, and he can hurt you that way on designed runs as well as, you know, quarterback scramble. So our discipline, our rush lanes are going to be really important in this game. We saw Savion get some some run in, in Kansas State, comes after Brennan Thompson got some run against Oklahoma State. How's the wide receiver, that third wide receiver uh, competition, I guess, going on at this point? Well, I think we're relying on all those guys. You know, I mean, Casey Kane played a fair amount in the game. Tariq Milton played a fair amount in the game. So, um, again, we're not saying you're the third wide out. We've got a role for all those guys to, to keep getting them experience of being in the ball game. thought it was great for Savion to get out there. Um, wasn't perfect, he knows that, but yet he played really hard. He played tough. He's got a bright future. Um, hopefully we can continue to work him in as well as Brennan and Casey and, and the other guys. So uh, proud of those guys for not settling for where they were on the depth chart, but continue to work at their craft uh, and improve. And then when you do that, we'll, we'll find a way to get you out there some. Yeah, Steve, uh, back to Gary Patterson. What is he specifically allowed to do during the week and game day? And has he been working 24-7 to beat TCU all season? I'll say this about Gary. Gary works 24-7 to beat anybody. He's got, he's, got, uh, he's got an unbelievable just work ethic about him, you know. And he's got a great deal of discipline in his approach and to what he does and how he does it. Um, this week hasn't, hasn't been any different, you know. He, he does a great job of advanced scouting for us, of, of getting ahead for, for opponents that are, that are on the come. Um, he does a great job of relaying his thoughts and information to the defensive staff. Um, and for me, he's a great sounding board for me, whether it's about, you know, kind of temperature on the team, um, you know, kind of thoughts, you know, about even the defense, you know, as, as I go into it and I'm game planning an opponent, a lot of times I'll ask him about, hey, what about this? What about that? Would this be difficult to defend or not? Uh, so he's a great sounding board. Um, we, like I said, we're really fortunate to have him. And I, the one thing that I think, Gary probably doesn't get enough credit for, uh, at least in these parts of Texas, is the the team guy that he is. He's got great rapport with our staff. He's got great rapport with our players. Uh, he's a really likable person. You know, he he just like people like to be around him. Um, and so, beyond the football aspect of it, I think what he brings, the presence he brings, has been really beneficial to us. He's just there to to kind of encourage and then kind of analyze. And, again, I'll bounce a couple ideas off him here and there. Um, but more importantly, he's just kind of analyzing the flow of the game, things defensively. Um, you can't really coach, and that's the hard part. You know, I think that's one of the more difficult things for a guy who's coached his whole life when you get in those analyst roles that you technically can't coach. And that's, that's the difficult part. But uh, I, think, I do think he enjoys his role and, and loves being part of the organization. Uh, Coach, um, of all the uh, teams that could unseat uh, TCU and give them their first defeat, I think college football thinks Texas can do it. Are there one or two things that you're working on to tighten up for this uh, game coming up on Saturday? Um, <laughs> there's probably more than one or two. You know, this is a really good football team we're getting ready to play. Uh, and they're good in all three phases. Uh, their kicker's 10 for 10 on field goals. The punt returners got two long punt returns for touchdowns. Um, you know, their defensive play has steadily improved as the year's gone on. Obviously, offensively, they're very explosive, you know, averaging over 500 yards and, uh, you know, almost 50 points a game or whatever that is. So um, we've got our work cut out for us. So we're working on a lot of things. 
Yeah, Steve, I think uh, JT Sanders has had at least five catches and I think five of the last six games. Just how important has it been to have that consistency at tight end and maybe for Quinn to have a guy who, who's kind of a security blanket for you? Yeah, I think JT is um, – he's playing really good football for a second year in, in college. You know, for a guy that was kind of in a role uh, – you know, lower role last year, just special teams. But um, – it's huge for our offense. You know, historically for me, the tight end has been an impactful guy in our system. Um, it's a challenging position in our system because we ask them to do so much, you know, formationally, motions, uh, personnel groupings, uh, blocking in the run game, blocking in pass protection, running routes. Um, and JT has got a lot of maturity. He's handled it really well. Uh, but he definitely has playmaking ability. And a lot of the catches he makes are not – your easy tight end, typical sit-over-the-ball catch routes. I mean, he made a couple plays the other night. The corner route was a heck of a catch on their sidelines. And so he's got playmaking ability to go along with the maturity. And what I love about him for a guy in his second year, um, I, I can easily say he's one of our leaders. You know, he, he comes off as a leader. He's not afraid to voice his opinion, to stand up. Um, and, and those are the types of young players that we're trying to build into leaders in our program, and he's definitely one of those guys. Hey, Steve, um, you guys are in charge of your own destiny with that win. Um, what were the meetings like with the guys over the weekend, um, knowing that they have overcame a mental hurdle and built some confidence with a win on the road? The, the meetings are more about, you know, we're not done yet. You know, I, I think one of the things that naturally can happen is this giant sigh of relief, like, hey, we, we overcame that, and now we can relax. Uh, we've got more work to do, and um, – I think our guys recognize that. They're hungry. Um, it's, it's always good when you get a win like that, and then here comes a top-five team coming in uh, to your own stadium on a Saturday night who's in first place in your league to get your attention quickly. You know, it didn't take long for them to recognize and to flip the switch and to get on to the next. So um, I think our guys are going to you know, prepare really well. I think they saw a lot of value. Uh, in their preparation last week, not only in meetings, but on the practice field and the recovery. Uh, and we're going to need that again this week as we get ready to play. Um, Steve, can I just get your thoughts on Michael Taff and his play the last couple weeks and what he's done to earn this increased playing time? Yeah, Michael, Michael has done a great job. Um, you know, he, from the moment he stepped on campus, it was never too big for him. You know, you would have never known, A, he was a walk-on, you would have never known he was a true freshman. Um, he just went for it. You know, his leadership stepped out in the front from day one. I think he's a, he's got natural leadership ability. The team gravitates to him. There's a reason he's on our leadership council as a sophomore walk-on, but yet that carries over to his play. Uh, he knows multiple positions. He knows the defense well. But it's one thing to know what to do. It's another to be able to make your plays. And he made a heck of a play the other night on kind of a screen pass out on the perimeter where he defeats the blocker, makes an open field tackle. So he's doing things at a high level. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of him, and I think his teammates have a lot of respect for what he does. So our Keandre got a little emotional talking about that, that play, not because of that, but kind of big picture, saying Bo Davis really kind of helped him find his love again. And for a defensive lineman that does so much that you know allows other guys to make plays, how cool is it for him to make a play in that moment? And and hear what it means from him. Well, I think that's, as a coach, you know, that's why we do what we do, you know. Um, you know, I, I know we always want to look at stats and performance and wins and losses, but, man, we have a, 
we have a real responsibility to develop these young men into grown men. And I think whether it's Coach Davis or Tashar Choice or Kyle Flood or whomever, you know, our, our job is to develop these young men into men on the football field, in life, and to hear a player that that's his response after making a critical play in a game, um, that's, that's why we do what we do. You know, we all want to win. Don't get me wrong. But, man, deep down, that's, that's the beauty of, of all that we do. Um, I have Coburn a lot of credit. He's worked at a craft. You know, he thought about a year ago potentially leaving and going to the NFL. And he said, you know, if, this is where you need to improve your game, one of which was rushing the passer. To be a complete player for the NFL, you had to improve your game at rushing the passer. And he's been impactful rushing the passer, you know, condensing the pocket, doing those things. And so to make that play the other night on a sack, fumble, uh, to ultimately seal the victory, I think for him was really gratifying that he's put in so much work. And now there's, the, there's kind of the reward in the end of, man, it's all kind of paying off for me. So happy for him. Um, but I think he'll be the first one to tell you there's more out there for him, too. So he's working at it. Steve, can you uh, tell us whatever you can tell us about Jalen Gilbo and how Anthony Cook came out of that game and how you thought he played with the cast on? And, and then Jalen Ford, I mean, the guy just yeah. keeps making plays. So uh, Gilbo will probably be out a couple more weeks. Um, he's, he's getting better, that's for sure. So... Sooner rather than later, you know, obviously as a true freshman, he was impactful player for us, so hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, Cook came out great. Um, really impressed by him. You know, I mean, that's, he's a tough guy. Uh, it's his senior year, and he doesn't want to miss these moments, and so to get him back was, was beneficial. You know, he played in a little bit of a limited role the other night, but hopefully we can get more snaps out of him Saturday. Uh, Jalen Ford has been tremendous. Um, guy's a turnover machine right now. You know, it's two games in a row or, you know, two endings of games where he's recovered a fumble. He's gotten two interceptions in the last three games. Uh, he's leading the league in tackles right now. He plays on special teams. Um, and I think that combination of he and Demo working together in there has, has, been, has been really beneficial for us as a defense. Has he become more mobile? For sure, for sure. I think it, it's like anything. It, you start playing, you start making plays, you get confidence. You start getting more belief in what we're doing and who's supposed to be doing what, and that's when that that you know that voice starts to come out a little bit more. Sark, you guys are top thirty in the country in the red zone offense and red zone defense. Just in general, what do you think goes into being a good red zone team, and, and what are the characteristics of this team that's allowed you guys to be so good in the red zone? Well, we practice it, um, and we make it really competitive when we practice it. You know, we we um, we do a lot of offense versus defensive work um, where we, we kind of keep score in that region and, and we try to get the guys to understand how vital points are when you're there. You know, we talk a lot about third down conversions in the red area. Um, and when you can get a third down stop in the red area, in our minds, that's a four-point play. You know, you, you just took four points off the board and now you're forcing the field goal. Conversely, when you, when you convert that third down in the red zone, that's a four-point play in, in a positive swing. And so, you know, we had a couple really critical four-point plays on offense the other night, you know, with the touchdowns to Worthy. And we had, you know, a couple four-point plays on defense. And then we had a seven-point play on defense with the fourth down stop. Um, so you, you start adding those things up, man. Those are critical third downs in the red area are critical plays. And I thought we were just okay in the red area 
the previous couple weeks, and we really made it an emphasis last week. It was it was it was something that we touched on with the players last Monday, all the way through until Friday night about how important our red zone resiliency was going to be, and um, they responded really well. I mean, that the, the play on fourth down was a heck of a play by Ryan Watts, and I know you don't nobody notices it because Jade is the one who knocks it down, but they really wanted the ball to go to the guy that Ryan was guarding. And Ryan does a heck of a job defending the guy on the motion, and then it put it in Jade's hands to be in good position to get the knockdown with Alfred with a really good rush. So we put a lot of emphasis on it. We practice it, and then it's like anything in coaching, in my opinion, you get what you emphasize. So it's paying off for us. A lot of people wonder if the offensive line would be a liability this year with so many young people. Are they yet a strength of this team? And Kelvin Banks, is he playing like a senior? He doesn't ever seem to have a bad game. I'll, uh, to quote Coach Flood, don't praise him too much. You know, we got to keep these guys humble. But that was a big challenge for them the other night. Uh, that was a good defensive front, uh, linebackers and D-line. You know, obviously leading the league in sacks, good rush defense. And uh, I thought they performed well. Uh, we're going to need them to perform well the rest of the way, and most importantly, Saturday night. Um, you know, Kelvin, I, I think the group in general is a very mature group. You know, and you think about Kelvin, Hayden Connor, Jake Majors, you know, Cole Hudson's very mature as a true freshman. Probably doesn't get enough credit. Gets a little overshadowed shadowed by what Kelvin's doing. Uh, but he started every game, too. Uh, and then Christian Jones is maturity. So I think they're a very mature group. I think year two with Coach Flood, there's a real understanding for the older guys of what to do and training the younger guys. Um, and then they're applying it. And probably the thing that I'm most impressed with with them, we're playing really physical. Uh, we're playing really physical football on offense and defense, but really physical up front. Uh, you saw it with Kelvin on the third down, kind of toss sweep to, to Bijan. He pulls and then gets a pancake about seven, eight yards downfield that really springs the long run. So uh, I think there's a level of physicality and commitment to that physicality that we're trying to play with, and, and starts with those guys up front. Y'all are close to like about 80th in total yards, but close to 20th in, in scoring defense. I know those kind of don't tell the full tale. So what areas do you focus on to where even if a team is gaining yards, you can live with or be happy with? Well, I, I think there's a few. I think one is average yards per play is probably a little bit more important than total yards uh, because you can't dictate how many plays somebody's going to play. If People can go as fast as they want to go and run 100 plays, but if they only average four and a half yards per play, how effective were you really you know, in trying to move the football? So we look at average yards per play. We look at explosive plays. We try to really minimize explosive plays and make people earn it. Uh, obviously, we look at turnovers, you know, our, our, you know, what we're doing, creating turnovers. We look at third down, uh, our ability to get out the field somewhere where we're continually trying to improve upon. And we look at red zone efficiency, you know, and we look at it on both sides. But, you know, if, I, I never understand the stat that, that TV and, and everybody likes to put out. These guys are great in the red zone. They've been in the red zone 20 times and they've scored 19 of their 20. But nobody ever looks at, of those 19 scores, 10 of them were field goals. To me, those are losses. That's a loss for the offense, and that's a win for the defense. So we track touchdowns in the red zone, not field goals. That's not scoring to me. That, the, the defense won. And so we're always trying to minimize touchdowns when we get our opportunities. And then, you know, everybody likes to look at sacks. And I know sacks are important, and we're getting better. I think we're up to 20 sacks on the year now. But we look at QB hurries as well because that's what forces the errant throws. And I think we're affecting quarterbacks more this year uh, than we definitely did a year ago. Patrick, your last one, start on the left. 
Uh, Steve, I know it's largely a quarterback's game in this era, but your running backs having a great year, and this is a great matchup of running backs. Um, you know Bijan, is he kind of excited to to share wares with Kendra Miller because there's going to be some good running this weekend? Yeah, no, I, I mean, hey, Miller's a heck of a player, and I, I really think their offense starts with him and goes through him, especially in the second half. I, th- I feel like that's when their running game really picks up. Um, you know, Bijan's a competitive guy. Uh, but I think ultimately Bijan wants to win. You know, he, he's in year three of, of being in this program. He wants to wants to win the ball game, but he also he has a real effect on us on us winning or losing. And he's playing at a very high level right now. Um, I could argue, you know, last week was one of his top one or two games I've seen him play since I've been here. You know, he really played well. And I know everyone wants to look at 200 yards rushing, but what goes unnoticed is the, the first touchdown to Worthy was the blitz pickup that he had uh, on that play. And so he's a very complete player. We see him in the passing game. We see him running routes. But now his game is really evolving into doing more. Um, but I'm sure Coach Choice will remind him. You know, he reminded him last week it was Deuce Vaughn, and now now this week it's Miller. So that's the fun part. Th- those are the games within the game that uh, everybody looks to. Trifecta today. Uh, third question, Roshan. I, I know he's probably beating himself up for the the fumble, but Bijan's got to rest. And, and when you have that that second option, uh, how valuable is that? Because I think people just assume hand it to five, forty times. Well, I don't, you know, I don't. I don't think I have to. I'll do it for him. But hey, Bijan. I mean, Roshan Johnson. To me, I have as much or more respect for him of anybody on our football team, of what that guy means to our team. Uh, from a leadership perspective, from what he does with Bijan in the backfield, he's a selfless player. Could the guy get 25 carries a game and rush for 150 yards? Probably. Um, but he gets his seven or eight, and he rushes for his 60 or 70, and he does what he does. He blocks. Uh, he covers kickoffs. He's on punt team. I mean, he is a complete selfless player. Um, and so any success he has, I love for him. I mean, think about the guy as a 2,000-yard career rusher here at the University of Texas. Um, to have two of those guys in your backfield right now, that's pretty beneficial for us. I don't know how many other schools in the country have that stat, uh, but we're pretty fortunate to have two guys that have over 2,000 yards rushing in their career, and um, we're, we're extremely fortunate to have, to have Roe. And it was a tough play for him last week. He'll get plenty more opportunities. I'm not holding that one against him. All right, y'all. Thank you. Longhorns head coach Steve Sarkeesian with a weekly news conference. Again, one other note as well, in case you didn't hear us talking about it right before the top of the hour, the kickoff time for the Kansas game will uh, be, uh, you might say, shuttled on to another six-day selection window for television. So we'll find out that kickoff time either Saturday night or Sunday morning on that for the game on the 19th at Kansas. All right, that's the uh, Steve Starkeesian News Conference. Coming up, we'll continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Greg. We're the- with uh, Ride Captain Ride, 1970. You know, that would be that would be a one-hit wonder. But the Longhorns are certainly hoping they're not a one-hit wonder as we welcome you back here to Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe with you here. And right now, 
let's. I'll tell you what. Uh, before we get to the Longhorn Notebook, we need to do a Flex Thirty update. So let's let's Flex do that ATX first. For the best high school sports coverage, listen to the Horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex Thirty is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Well, the movement will be the movement toward the bi-district round of the playoffs. Snoop, top of your head. Bi-district matchup that intrigues you the most, and we'll get into more of it as the uh, week goes oh, along. Gosh. What bi-district matchup? I, for me, it's pretty easy, but but you tell me. What bi-district playoff matchup intrigues you the most at all of them? Um, Cedar Park versus Smithson Valley. Because okay. Smithson Valley is going to be so hard to knock off, but I believe yeah. that Cedar Park can dig deep down and pull off an upset just because of the pedigree. So I said that's okay. A, so a four seed upsetting a, a giant one for me. Yeah, it would be it'd be a surprise if it were to happen. You know what it is for me? Uh, I think it's Dripping Springs and Maynard because <laughs> you know Maynard is starting to get its act now again. Maynard's without quarterback Quintalen Joiner. Has been suspended and and uh, finishing up the season. Yeah, we're going with the backups, but uh, older brother Quentin Joiner is more than carrying the load. What do you have a a ninety yard touchdown run and a seventy eight yard touchdown run in the win over Stony on Friday? A light's Something been cut like on for, for him, and he was already having a good game, but he looks like two thousand twenty one Quentin Joiner. Yep, yeah, uh, and of course that game will be over and dripping on uh, on Friday night, uh, and I believe, and the arrangements are. Still being made, but I believe that game is going to be televised live on KBVO Friday night. Sweet. So, uh, so I think that they're Roger and the crew are working on different arrangements and stuff for some of the games, uh, and they'll they'll have an announcement I think later on today. But I I think that's one of the ones they were looking at anyway. Put it that way. Uh, all right, so there it is. There's our Flex 30 update. We have a lot more to come. Go to FlexATX.com for the complete postseason schedule, and uh, you'll see the other uh, uh, playoff matchups coming up for the by district round. We'll talk more about that during the course of the week. But now it's time for our second-hour notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. A Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert and your Longhorn lender. Check her on the web at BowersockTeam.com. That's B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, BowersockTeam.com. Uh, Jeff, before we get to the basketball thing, just to, uh, the, your thoughts on what he was saying about uh, Jalen Gilbo and a, a couple other notes about the team coming out of Sark's presser this morning. The, uh, oh, there we go. Yep. With, the, uh, with the ankle injury we'd heard last week just didn't – didn't do a whole lot. It was iffy and uh, yeah, probably not different than what we had heard on Ryan Watson, and Anthony Cook, and both those guys ended up playing on uh, on Saturday. Uh, I was the reason why I asked about red zone defense, and mm-hmm. uh, Joe Cook kind of piggybacked my question, and Sark elaborated again on red zone defense. Is you know, and it's not me trying to play excuse maker for Pete Kwiatkowski, but I think it's really easy to look at this defense uh, and, and look at two key areas. Uh, total defense, which they're 74th in the country, yep. and third down defense. They're one of the worst nationally, uh, 41, 41.5% conversion rate allowed. But I think one of the re- one of the, the redeeming qualities about this defense, and, and last year we found none. There were no redeeming qualities <laughs> about the defense last year. But, uh, you know, you talk about the areas that Sark was mentioning. 
uh, and what they look at in terms of trying to find efficiency. Uh, yards per play allowed, turnovers, third down efficiency, red zone efficiency. When we talk about third down efficiency, they haven't been good there. Yards per play allowed, Craig, they're still second in the Big 12 yeah. in yards per play allowed, 5.05, uh, uh, about 5.1 yards per play allowed. Uh, and then talking about red zone efficiency, there's a reason why I asked because – only Kansas State and Iowa State have allowed fewer red zone touchdowns among Big 12 defenses than Texas has this year. Texas only allowed 16 touchdowns in the red zone. On 24 score, I think that's 24 scores, uh, I think on 31 attempts. So they've gotten seven red zone just stops this year. Uh, and the reason I'm, you know, I asked Sark about it in there because in my plays to watch was the, the sequence that led to the fourth down stop. You start adding up those points teams leave on the field – Man, we've seen it work against Texas the last couple of weeks, and Sark even said they haven't been good there, uh, red zone efficiency or, or finishing drives that get deep into plus territory. They were on uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday in Manhattan. So I, I think those two areas defensively, look, where Texas has gotten bit and has bit them, like really like bit them against Texas Tech, uh, definitely bit them against Oklahoma State, and bit them against Iowa State, they were just able to force turnovers in the Iowa State game where they weren't in the other two. Uh, giving up explosive plays. And, and uh, another statistic, Craig, that I think is kind of misleading is missed tackles. Uh, Texas actually, and I'll go back and double-check it. I'll have this for tomorrow. I think Texas actually, through nine games, probably missed more tackles this year than they have than they did last year. Wow, that's going to surprise some people. The, di- the difference is, though, go start looking at yards per contact, yards after contact allowed. And last year they were missing tackles, and because – I'll borrow a term from Rod Babers. The structural integrity of the defense was so bad, you were missing tackles, and you're giving up 50, 60 chunk, big chunk yardage plays. Now, because you're more sound and you rally to the ball better, you miss a tackle. That might be a six-yard gain you give up instead of a three- or four-yard gain. So that makes a big difference. This defense, they're doing enough things well that's allowed them to be in every game. And they have had games where – the Alabama game, the Oklahoma game, you can go through and look at it where they've been really good. And while they gave up a lot of yards the other night, uh, again, that yards per play allowed, they're among the best in the Big 12, among the best in the country in yards per play allowed. Not When you don't give up chunk yards, you make the other team earn it, you give yourself a chance. Yeah, yeah, very, very big stuff. Okay, so there's the football modes. Yeah. Basketball season opener tonight, uh, 8 o'clock at Moody Center. Uh, what time are we getting started with pregame, Craig? It's 730? 7.30. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, with you and Eddie on the call. Yep. Uh, like your broadcast location in there. I know we talked about yes. it a little bit. But. Yes, it is. It's almost identical uh, to our setup, what we had at the Irwin Center. Nice. It's a little snugger, a little cozier, but that's okay. It's it's all right. It's a, it's a cozier environment at yeah. Moody Center. Uh, something to watch for tonight if you're interested to see how this Texas team does. Uh Ball handling in the backcourt, protecting the basketball. Anybody that watched the NCAA tournament game with Texas and Abilene Christian a couple of years ago, Joe Golding loves pressuring the ball. They want to speed you up. They want you to go fast. So we talk about this team needing to play faster, and Chris Beard's talked about they want to play with better pace. I think controlling pace tonight, Chris, yeah. is going to be the big thing. Yeah. Sometimes they want to speed you up. You might not want to go fast. Sometimes you might be able to use that against them. So I think the ability, Tyrese Hunter, Sir Jabari Rice, I love me some Jabari Rice. I think he's going to be a really fun guy to watch on this team, just kind of one of those junkyard dog type guys that, that does everything. Might not fill up the stat sheet every night, but a guy that impacts winning. Uh, and anytime you get to the, the games that you're going to be able to watch Dylan Mitchell this year, enjoy it because he ain't going to be here very long. So, no, that's uh, true. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. And then 
massive news for Chris Beard and company over the weekend. We talked about Ron Holland, the, the five-star forward out of Duncanville, several weeks ago when he made his official visit. He made his commitment Saturday morning to Texas. Uh, Arkansas, UCLA were among the uh, the options. He's uh, he's going to come to Texas, had some opportunities to p- pursue uh, prof- a professional career early, uh, but he's going to come to Texas. Uh, Chris Beard getting the number one prospect in the state, according to 24-7 Sports. And w- you've seen him play, Craig, when we talk about his game, kind of that new age forward in terms of where basketball is going, a guy 6'7", six, 6'8", six, that can legitimately defend multiple positions, and a guy his offensive game just continues to grow. Yeah, uh, both from the forward spots and, and in the backcourt. I, I, I like to think of him as a hybrid two-and-a-half. There you go. That's interesting, yeah. Because because he can be off the ball, can shoot the ball well, can bring in the front court and drive it to the hoop, but he can also defend with uh, with his space yeah. as a wing player, and that's what's pretty exciting to see. Think about uh, – I heard a perfect description uh, this weekend because somebody on our, on the flagship message board at Horns 24-7 said, well, how does Ron Holland compare to, to Greg Brown? And somebody said, Greg Brown was explosive vertically. Yep. Uh, Ron Holland's explosive horizontally. Yeah, he is. Uh, so I thought that was just a great – I'd never thought about it like that, but that's a great differentiator between those two guys. But, yeah, uh, got to be very excited about Ron Holland. Andre Stoyakovich, who also made an official visit, he, he makes his commitment today. Uh, still don't have clear word. I don't know that anybody does on where he's going to go. I did, though. I have heard some stuff from folks close to Texas. If it's not Texas – that staff is going to feel like they gave him a lot to think about and made it very, very hard if he ends up picking somebody else. It sounds like if it's somebody other than Texas, it does sound like Stanford might have the the, the inside track there. But that's what you're looking at with Andre Stojakovic. But to get on the board and get on the board with Ron Holland, we know how much Chris Beard values basketball in this state. First hour of the program, the 10 to 11 o'clock hour from the TCU campus. I'm going up there. Obviously, this is a huge game and – uh, they're tomorrow night going to find out probably that they're going to be fourth in the college football playoff rankings. I this think. old school going to the opposing coaches. Hadn't done that conference. since Bob Stoops. Hey, I got to go when he just walked <laughs> out on me. Sonny Dykes won't do that. No. So no. anyway, so I'll be up there tomorrow. Jeff will be in the studio. Uh, thanks to Snoop Daniel, our producer, back at the home ship. All right, stay tuned. Chad and Zay are up next. We'll visit with you tomorrow morning from a couple of different locales here on Light the Tower. Soccer fans, join nationally recognized commentator Glenn Davis every Monday on Soccer Matters at 7 p.m. Presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. Whether you love Austin FC, the Premier League, or Liga MX, Glenn has cutting-edge interviews from around the world, strong opinions, and you, the passionate soccer fan. Soccer Matters with Glenn Davis on the horn.